Welcome to Women Winning Divorce. I am your host, Heather Quick. I am an attorney, entrepreneur, author, and founder of Florida Women's Law Group, the only divorce firm for women by women. I love thinking big, thinking outside the box, creating creative solutions for women and empowering women to win in all aspects of their life. Our approach at Florida Women's Law Group is to provide women with a strategy to not only achieve their objectives, but win at life. I believe that what may show up as adversity is simply an opportunity to change and improve your life. In each episode, I sit down with innovative professionals and leaders who are focused on how you can be your best self before, during, and after divorce. In these conversations, we are looking at how women can win at life. I have the unique opportunity to meet women when they are at a transition period of life, but that is only the beginning to becoming your best self and winning at life on your terms. With our guests, we enjoy the opportunity to explore ways all women can win and enhance their life, no matter where they are in their journey, because divorce is just a point in life, not the end and not what defines you, rather a catalyst for your growth. Welcome to today's episode of Women Winning Divorce. I'm Heather Quick, owner and attorney at Florida Women's Law Group. Today, I'm joined by Beverly Price. She is the founder of Divorce Coalition, founder of Her Empowered Divorce, and podcast host under the same title. She is a divorce separation and empowerment coach who is passionate about helping women through the tough process of divorce. Welcome, Beverly. Thank you so much, Heather. It's an honor to be here. Well, you are just right in alignment with everything we do. So I am so glad to have you here today. So I'd love it if you'd share a little with me and our listeners about your journey to where you are now. Okay. Well, I have a history of multiple divorces, and that's not something that anyone wants to be proud of, but I had this habit of going from one relationship to the next without learning about myself or about that relationship. And as a result, I would jump into the relationship and then learn a lot about it and a lot about the spouse and then exit that onto the next. And I also, during those marriages, have a history of abuse, Mm. both physical and emotional. And what I learned with a lot of work was that I had this need, kind of coming from childhood, but I don't blame my parents, um, for attention, for the need to get that attention to receive approval, and that that meant love. So I was always searching for something that wasn't going to be there, that was only within myself. And so I went on this journey long before there were divorce coaches. And I had to map out my own. And so what I want from women is that they go through that process with more knowledge, less pain than I went through myself. Well, that's amazing and so needed um, because it, it, it can be difficult, even in the best of circumstances. And, you know, even when you know it's the right thing and mm-hmm. it, it's just difficult. It, it's, it's a process that um, really... Um, doesn't, isn't something you just get through quickly or get over. You have to go through it. Um, I so agree with you. It's not like we wake up one day and say, I want to get, you know, I want to get married and then divorce. It's not a goal we have. 
Absolutely. And you know, you're, it's so fascinating, your personal experience, um, because that, uh, that was, my mother had a similar journey. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got a a front row seat into these patterns in the repeated patterns that, that she made several times. Um, Mm -hmm. and she had, I think she went through the same process where she kind of really just had to be alone. Mm -hmm. Um, which I, I really think was quite some time. Um, I don't know how old she was right before she ever really lived alone because then she had us after the first divorce. But uh, anyway, it's, you know, the fact that you were able to get that clarity and understanding of yourself. So you don't keep repeating those same patterns is amazing and, and commendable because that, you know, is, it's easy to continue along the same path. Exactly. Um, but I was able to learn and now I can say I'm in a very happy and healthy marriage and have been for some time. So you can learn from it and you can use it as a springboard to a better life. Well, I think that's great. And I am so excited to have you on our show today because today the topic is uh, discussing how to leave your emotions out of it and why staying objective is beneficial to you in the divorce process. Um, now, you know, we, um, we've certainly had divorce coaches on the show in the past. And I, I really, I love the opportunity to get to meet different people who are in the same world that I am, but from a completely different approach with, you know, mm-hmm. obviously a different set of skills to do that. But I'd love for our listeners, if you would share with them, basically what is a divorce coach and, you know, how do you effectively use that? Because I think that's so important. Sure. Well, I would say that the average divorce coach that you might hear about, their purpose is to help the client manage their emotions. And the reason that is, is that when we don't manage our emotion, there is this chemical produced in our brain that prevents us from thinking clearly. In order to go through successful negotiations, successful settlement, suggest successful parenting plans, you need to be able to think clearly. So that's what a divorce coach typically does. In addition to that, what I do is I prepare the client for divorce. I educate them as to what the divorce process and terminology is. I help them learn communication and negotiation skills, and I prepare them for life afterwards, all in addition to teaching them how to manage their own emotion. I think that it's so valuable and so important. And, you know, that skill, that's a skill set that you have and um, certainly not one that we typically have as attorneys. And if we do have it, you know, it's something that we've acquired or, you know, achieved throughout our lives, but again, not really the purpose of our relationship with our client. And that's why I think that, you know, what you do and how you bring that to the table is so valuable. Now, how would you recommend selecting a divorce coach um, that's aligned with your goals and needs? Sure. Well, I think, first of all, you want to pick a certified divorce coach who has had the training. Uh, There are a lot of people that once they get divorced, say they're a divorce coach because they have been through it. But you have to remember that every single divorce experience is different Mm -hmm. and training 
not only gives you a level of credential, but it gives you a level of knowledge to handle the full spectrum of divorces. So I think that's critical. The second is look for their years of experience. I've been doing this for 30 years. You don't want someone that's just started within six months. You mm -hmm. want someone that's seen a whole range of different kinds of people, different kinds of divorces, different kinds of relationships. I think the third is to check out specifically what they do and make sure it aligns with your needs. Um, do you need more understanding of the divorce process? Do you need to learn communication skills? Do you need to manage your emotions or all of those? And then um, I think the fourth is to ask for client testimonials mm. so that you can actually get a feel for um, what clients have experienced. Now, in many cases, clients do not want to give their name. So those testimonials may need to be anonymous because people are very um, adamant about confidentiality in divorce. But I think to hear what other people have experienced is very critical. I, I think that's, um, that's great advice. And it helps you also align um, with this person. And which then gets me to my next question. When, when in the process should you really be looking to engage uh, a divorce coach? Well, in my case, I prefer to engage with a woman and can be the most helpful to a woman before she even talks to her spouse. Oh, yeah. That becomes critical because I believe that that one conversation sets the tone for the entire divorce. If you come across hostile, if you come across blaming and accusatory, what's that other person going to do? They're naturally going to be on the defense. So right. one of the things I do with my clients is we literally role play that conversation and then we reverse role play so they can see what it feels like with them being talked to the way they're planning to talk to their spouse. I love that. That's a great idea to do the role play. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we obviously, it depends when, you know, um, they hire us, but generally speaking, my general advice is no, don't tell them you've hired us. Like meet with us. Like let's plan a strategy. Absolutely. Because you have to, you know, ask what I ask, like, what are you looking for in this conversation and be mindful of that? And what do you think is going to come of it? How productive is that going to be for you? So it's important. So I think that's great because then, you know, what you can do with your client and that role playing can just make a huge difference really in what we're just talking about today, managing your emotions, because you're not right. Cause like, that's a pattern. You set yourself up and then we don't do it consciously. I know, but you set yourself up just for man, just to receive that, like, you know, that argument, or you're going to feel bad about yourself. Like just a mm -hmm. lot of emotion sometimes especially with your spouse, right? Because you have patterns of communications and things Absolutely. like that. And I, you know, so many women come into a divorce, blaming their spouse, angry with their spouse, mm -hmm. thinking their spouse is going to stick it to them. But what they don't understand is 
the biggest person to stick it to them is going to be themselves. If they don't manage this process appropriately, intelligently, and clear-headed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as a divorce coach, are you there um, to be the organizer of like the many pieces and potentially people in the process? Like, how do you actually, how do you do that for your clients to keep them organized as well as emotionally anchored? Because that is a big job. Yeah, what we do is we start at the very beginning, not only collecting documents, but protecting their technology. That's a big one to make sure you are not sharing family calendars and booking an appointment with a divorce attorney on that calendar. Oh, gosh, you yes. To protect <laughs> your laptops and your phones with passwords. So those kinds of things are the preparation. The next step is to identify the right divorce team for them. Mm-hmm. And I wholeheartedly recommend the divorce coach, the certified divorce financial analyst, and the attorney. And those three work in conjunction to take care of their needs through the process. And, and that, is, that is such great advice because it's true because each person serves a different function, Absolutely. but overall can help you achieve those objectives and, and they meet you know, different needs that the client has and they each come with different expertise. Yeah, if you, if you think about it, if one of us trying to do all three of those things to be a generalist, then we're not going to be very good at any one of them. But if you get three people that have studied and trained to go deep into each one of those specialties, then you have the best collection of skills for the most successful divorce. Absolutely. And now, and that's, that kind of is perfect for my next question, because how do your clients use you to their full advantage, like really maximizing this opportunity and choosing a divorce coach with you? Well, I think. As I said, if they come to me before they've had that conversation with their spouse, or even if they would like to come to me and talk about whether they want a divorce or not and gain clarity on that, they can. But I think that that is one of the best ways they can do it. The second thing is to talk to yourself and ask yourself, am I really willing to take the journey of self-awareness that I need to, to be able to become the kind of person that can handle this divorce well Mm. and to get the optimal result? Because a lot of times we focus on the other person, as I said, and blame them, but never look at our part, never look at the kinds of things that we need to do to change ourselves in the process. So those are a couple of the critical things. Well, Beverly, I, I, you are just uh, speaking words that I have um, absolutely said before, and it's hard, right? It's worth it, but it's hard to look within and really, you know, have a, a look at your behavior, your role in the marriage, because mm-hmm. every it takes two people and, and just, again, because then you can see it with clarity, objectively, and then ideally see it differently next time, right? Because obviously I'm thinking you here, Beverly, are getting them through this divorce right now, but man, you're really there to help them have a better 
future afterwards and not repeat mm. some of the stuff that got them where they are now. Yes. Yeah, so many women, when you take them back to their marriage before they got married, you can find out that they fell in love with the person's potential and who they <laughs> wanted them to be rather than who they were. So they uh, have to look at themselves for that. I know. So this is funny. I'll say this really quick before the break, because I always, always share stories about my mom, but my dad told me this a very long time ago. Um, cause he, yeah, he was also a, a frequent flyer in the marriage department. Um, and he said that, um, you know, women marry men thinking they're going to change it. Like, you know, what they can be and men marry women thinking they're never going to change. They're going to be yep. just that person the whole time. And that's always stuck with me. And when you say that, it's like, yeah, that was what he said in just a different way, but just true human behavior, you know, kind of the way we, we do, um, come to the table in these things, but, um, Absolutely. all right. Well, I, I've got so many questions. We are just getting started, but we have to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And for all our listeners, if you are enjoying this show and it is helpful to you, we would so appreciate a five-star review to allow others to find our show and be a part of this great content. So we will be right back. Alrighty, we are back from our break and today I'm joined by Beverly Price. And in the first segment, we broke down through like maybe basically what does a divorce coach do? You know, how they can really help you and, and when in the process, because ideally um, you are talking to Beverly before you have to even told your spouse. And maybe like you said in the last segment, maybe you want to just talk it through whether or not you want a divorce. I think that's fabulous um, time to do that. Um, because sometimes they come, you know, to the attorney's office and they're not quite sure. And that's just right. not something I can answer for somebody. Absolutely. And or really can anybody, right? They've got to come to that themselves, which obviously then you would give them tools to do so. But, um, you know, here at our practice, we are very much about setting goals and setting objectives because mm -hmm. that way then we can achieve the, the outcomes that our client wants, right? right. Versus us presupposing, you know, you got to get the house, got to do this. And so we go through those goals, um, to get what to hopefully, at least we have a strategy to get them where they want to be. Mm -hmm. What goals do you set as a divorce and empowerment coach? Well, it's interesting you say that because I asked them two questions in our initial conversation. And one is what are their goals for their divorce period? And then what are their goals for divorce and empowerment coaching? And then what I do is I do an evaluation on them emotionally, but I also measure them over time so they can actually look at their progress over time. Very good. And that's, and that's can be so empowering because you don't see that progress every day, but right. then when you can, share that and look back, like how far you've come, even in three months, six months, it, it can be really um, encouraging and empowering. Yes. I know. Now um, let's talk a little bit, because it's always a great question. How can clients be great clients for you? Because for us as attorneys, the, the, it's not really a huge list, but effective communication, being prepared, um, you know, responding with the things that we, we need in order to move forward. But how about for you? Well, those are perfect for me as well. And I like to do these, those things for you as an attorney to get them ready 
to do those things with you. But I think things like I mentioned earlier, to become prepared to, to come prepared to do work on yourself, mm-hmm. to be willing to look at yourself. Um, and then I think to be open and to be honest about what's going on, to be comfortable sharing that information so that I can get the big picture of what's going on. I think to be open to learning, to not come in and say, I know everything. Mm-hmm. Because if you know everything, you don't need it. <laughs> you know? So true. So true. Well, and you know, let me ask you this, because as you were talking, it made me think about, you know, often we in our office um, have clients that they they don't want to be there, right? And they've been right. served. They are not initiating this process. And and that's, you know, obviously very difficult um, right. and really, really hard emotionally and, and almost just such a barrier for them to get out of those emotions. Now, I know someone in that situation might not be seeking you out, but maybe their attorney would refer them, recommend them. And mm-hmm. I would imagine in your 30 plus years, you've, you've had experience helping women who just are in such denial and just don't want it, just do not Absolutely. want to forward. And how do you, how can you help them? Well, part of it is an honest evaluation. What I have them do is to evaluate their spouse, to evaluate their marriage, to evaluate themselves, and then evaluate their ideal partner. Mm-hmm. Comparing that partner that you're married to to the ideal partner, are they identical? Most cases in situations where a marriage has ended, there is discontent with the partner. And particularly for women that have been surprised, there seems to be a pattern of wishing that person could change over time. And so what you really need to take a look at is what is reality versus what is something that you want. The second thing is um, empowering them, getting them comfortable with finding their voice and using their strength. Because this process of being shocked deflates them. You know, 80% of women in general say they don't have confidence. And when you take divorce and layer it on top, it pushes the woman further and further down. And when you add the shock of being told he's leaving you, it pushes them even greater down. So Mm. the kinds of things we need to do are those kinds of things that build them up. And that's how we have to do it because if they don't get to a certain point, they can't deal with it. Right. Right. And then, and then they, they risk so much if they're not going to engage, it's just, you know, you don't want to see that like it, because it's no fault here in Florida, it's happening. It doesn't have to be agreed upon. And, and that's really sad when they're just so so in denial, so overwhelmed that they just can't even assist their, their attorneys to, to help them move forward. Yeah. They throw their hands up and go, you take it and you have to be an informed participant 
in the process, because think about, think how long the financial and parental effects of a divorce last years, years. Mm -hmm. So giving up uh, short term because you're overwhelmed, you're going to pay the price in a very long time. Yes, you are. Now, Beverly, something you speak on often is that the biggest mistake you see is women letting their emotions hijack their divorce process. Um, Can you expand on that a little bit for listeners? I'm sure it has a little bit to do with what you just said, throwing up your hands and, you know, uh, saying I'm done, I'm out, have take whatever. But I know there's more. Yeah, I think the biggest situation is fear. Hmm. People are afraid of what's going to happen. They're afraid of settlements. They're afraid of parenting agreements. They're afraid of who gets the family home. But they also are fearful of what life's going to be like. I spent my whole life being a wife. Now, who am I? Am I ever going to be happy again? Am I ever going to have a partner again? So that fear permeates everything they do. And it causes them to make decisions that aren't in their best interest. The other common emotions that I'm sure you see are anger and resentment, overwhelm. Those kinds of things have to be dealt with as well to process all the anger and to process the emotions so that you can release this intense emotion. The other thing I suggest to women is before they're going to walk into a mediation or to a settlement discussion or deposition is to think of a box with a lid and a lock. And what I want you to do is take all your emotions and I want you to put them in that box and lock it, go into your meeting. And then when you come out, you can take those emotions back, but try to make that legal and financial experience as businesslike, as neutral as you possibly can. That is great advice. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that. Um, (laughs) We got to have our our emotional box, you know, because shoot, everybody should have one. I know some days I need one. I'd be like, yeah, my box and put that away. But um, you also speak on something that you call um, dominate emotional stages of divorce. Could you walk us through what those stages are? Yes, I think, um, you know, they're typical ones that, uh, that, that experts say are just follow the stages of grief, which is true. Okay. Um, but I think there's some others. I think that there is the stage of shock. There's the stage of overwhelm, the stage of guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. So those come early on. Then there's the stage of confusion, of low self-esteem, low self-worth, and processes on through that divorce. So I like to think about the stages as, as more what happens to the woman, in addition to the normal stages of grief that one needs to go through with any terrible major change. Yeah, that... um and it's so it is because it is the death of something and they and they i know with those emotions too like sometimes you circle back right it's not like it's just a straight line that's why it is and sometimes they flare up and and you kind of are back in another place emotionally and you 
And you maybe really thought you had gotten through that, right? You had thought you had gotten through that sadness. Um, and, you know, what I've seen is, you know, we get through the mediation, right? And they did great. And it was a lot. It's, as you know, it's a lot. There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. And and then afterwards, or right before you sign, oh, the, the emotions surge back in and it can sometimes paralyze people. And yeah. they sometimes we have to just really take a break or come back the next day. Like they just, it, they didn't expect it or then just the floodgates, like all of a sudden, boy, it comes back in, you know, almost stronger than the first time. Absolutely. And there typical times that happens. For example, another time that happens is after they tell their spouse they want a divorce, even if they wanted it, the emotions, the history, the, the feelings flood up. And mm -hmm. so I can prepare a woman for that in planning through it. But the major thing is she shouldn't beat herself up for having the ups and downs because it's normal. Everybody that goes through that has that. And if they don't, they're not telling you the truth. It, well, it's true. And that's a big part of it, right? That you're not alone in, in this. You're not crazy. Like you are a human being. And, and everybody goes through these things just differently now, but how, how can you shift your mindset throughout this process? That's really a challenge and it takes lots and lots of progress mm -hmm. practice, excuse me, not progress. <laughs> um, it's about forming new pathways in your brain. If you think about it, maybe in Florida, there are not a lot of people that know what cross-country skiing is because it's warm, but it's unfortunately not so much, not so much cross-country running, but let's talk about so the skis skiing. go down and form ruts in the snow. And the more okay. you ski, the deeper the ruts go. Okay. Now that's an example of what negative emotions do. The more you practice them, the more automatic they become. So what you have to do is you have to take that one ski out and start to form new pathways. And little by little, even as shifting your brain one moment at a time, you've heard that phrase one day at a time. Well, it may be one moment at a time. And then the more you practice shifting, the more automatic the positive thoughts become. Well, you know, I like that example because we can all envision just being in the, the rut and it's like, okay, go to where it's the fresh powder, you know, and, um, or the sand we're here at the beach, like the, un, the, the, the hard yeah. pack sand that nobody's walked on. And so that deep wet sand start over and you do, I, I, I appreciate that because you got to take it one moment at a time. Absolutely. And because, and I would. I don't know. I don't know if you would use the word easier, but I think the more you practice it, right, it does become, it becomes a new habit or a new pattern for yourself, right? That's what we're looking for. Absolutely. Women tend to have this habit of talking negatively to themselves and worse to themselves than they would a best friend. So it comes automatically and we need to change that. Absolutely. It is um, so true. And now it's time for our second break. And for all of our listeners, we appreciate you so much. And if you have enjoyed 
the show so far, we would so appreciate your comments and a review that would help other women find our show. And also we can have um, your questions answered. And of course, um, hopefully have any guest speakers that you would like on our show. We will be right back. Well, Beverly, we are back from our last break. And for our listeners today, I am joined by Beverly Price. And she is a divorce coach, more than just a divorce coach. I feel like she does so much and is also founded her Empowered Divorce. So now I would love to um, talk about some tips for your post-divorce chapter because you know, whether you want it or not, it, it, it's going to happen. And then I think eventually you're like, when is it going to be over? Right. And then now what's next? So what, what does that look like? Um, I think the first thing is knowing that you have to step out and that stepping out is going to be uncomfortable because it's not familiar. We all tend to want to isolate. And what we're going to have to do is step out of that isolation, step out of those moods. And sometimes it may take a friend reaching out their hand to pull us out of that. But to do things like start to make new friends, go to places and participate in clubs and organizations where you may need to meet new people. The other thing is to practice mindset even more changing those thoughts from negative to positive. And at the beginning, it's all about, let's set some goals. What is your ideal life? And what do we need to do to get you there? So there's not only goals for the divorce, but there are also goals for life after. And then based on a woman's individual desires for that life, we select other goals to actually pursue. Well, and you know, I think that's great. I, um, I'm very in, um, support of coaching for so many different areas of your life, but, oh my gosh, this is a major, major transition and you do need it before, during and after. Um, and, and that's tell our client, our listeners a little bit. I'd love to know why it's so important to continue that relationship with your coach you know, your case has been closed? Well, I can speak from personal experience. If you do not do the work afterward, if you do not learn about yourself and try to create that new life, you're doomed to repeat the past over and over again, and then sit back and wonder how you ended up in the same situations. So that's one. The second is recovery from divorce, which is the number two major life event you can go through, is not easy. And I, for example, had to go through it on my own and it took a lot longer and it was a lot more painful than if I had someone that could work through it with me and who had experience helping me do that. So I think that's another big reason for it. And the third is having a cheerleader, having someone that supports you and can talk positively to you, even when you're talking negatively to yourself. You know, most of us women were taught to invest in husbands and children and charities and everything else but ourselves. It is critical 
through divorce that you make decisions during the divorce and after to invest in the rest of your life. If you think about it, how much money do we spend on a wedding? How much planning do we do for a wedding? Well, a divorce is going to have even more bigger and long-term impact than a wedding may in a divorce situation. So mm -hmm. why wouldn't you set goals, plan, and invest in that recovery? That, you know, I, I love that. It's so true. And, you know, the fact that you speak from experience, it just helps so much because it makes sense, you know, for, for all of us listening, because if you don't invest in that growth and try to think about, you know, your plans and set goals, you're going to very likely repeat the same patterns. Mm -hmm. um, now, okay, this is important. And this, I, I love this question because I would love to know some examples um, of boundaries that are important to set with your ex-spouse after the divorce, because that is, I know that's challenging. And, and we, as the attorneys are, are pretty much out of it by then, but it's big, it's huge. Yeah, I think the first has to do with communication. And the boundaries that you need to set if you're co-parenting are a different subset than if you're not co-parenting. If you're mm. not co-parenting, you can kind of cut that X off and out of your life, but you've got to learn how to set boundaries for your happiness, whether you're um, around your spouse or you're not. But things like privacy, boundaries are important to not let somebody drop in without advance notice. To That's a them. big one. Haven't you had that a lot, Beverly? Yes. And I, oh, I know, I just can't imagine then. I know so many clients are like, oh, but he's like this, you know, even if he's nice about it, it's just a weird feeling. It's since you're not able to have like that closure and privacy. Mm -hmm. And we need to ask ourselves why we opened the door. Ooh, that's one of those hard questions, right? Because yeah. you got to ask yourself, why yeah. are you doing this? Yeah. The other thing is how we respond to text messages and phone messages. Do we pause? Do we think about it? Do we only return those that are necessary? Do we return them after calming down? Um, I think that's important because particularly with text messages, there's this implied urgency in them. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do and is say, step back and say, what's good for me? What's healthy for me? Now, when it comes to co-parenting, that's much more challenging because the children can let the father in the house, things Correct. like that. So you have to set even more specific boundaries, such as maybe the husband doesn't come to the house to pick up the children. Maybe you exchange children in a neutral place. Maybe you take the children to him. There's, there's a whole array, but if we don't establish boundaries, we don't become empowered. We don't find our voice and we are almost likely at their mercy, at their emotional mercy over time. Yeah. And then, and I guess, and that's why it would be so helpful. I know that you can help them so much um, because as you're saying this, I'm like, oh yeah, and there's another boundary. And what, what boundaries do I need to set? Because you may not well, obviously you haven't done this before. You're not really sure. And that's where that guidance can help. Um, 
because you, you do want closure and, and so yes. that you can move on. And so it, these boundaries are going to be very important. Yeah. And I think that, um, that boundaries are so important in setting the stage for who you are mm. and all the way through your life. I think it's so important. Absolutely. Now, how do you know if your clients are emotionally ready to date again and, and how you help them like figuring out, you know, what they want to look for in a partner? Well, I think that number one, I can't tell them whether they're ready or not. Only they can make that decision, Mm -hmm. but there's some warning signs. The warning sign is rushing into another relationship without being willing to look at yourself and without being willing to look at that other partner realistically. Mm. Am I going into it for lust? Am I going into it to fill an emotional void that I have in myself? Um, Can I really say, if this is my ideal list and here are my... um, Uh, no brainers, my things that I'm not going to sacrifice. How does this person compare to that list? And for most of us, we launch into this emotional attachment before we think. And Mm -hmm. so we're already in it before we can analyze it. And we need to analyze it first. Right. And then I can only imagine, um, and then like you have this list, but then they're already making excuses or not, not, I don't like the word excuses necessarily, but workarounds like, well, but maybe this didn't really matter as much because this person does X, Y, Z because they're caught up still in that, you know, you know, new love, all that. What is it? The oxy oxytocin that, you know, kicks in your brain and creates those first 12 months to be, you know, all rose colored glasses that maybe you're not really looking at those and, and what is non-negotiable and are you willing to stick up for yourself really? Right. And, and, yeah. and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, which sometimes, you know, can be hard to do. I think another warning sign is how similar is this person to your previous spouse that you just divorced? Because you could be repeating the same things. I bet more often than not, but you don't see it unless somebody, unless you're there, Beverly, helping somebody see that at first glance, they're going to think, oh, this person's completely different. Yep. But yet then it's like, they're the same person. That's what my mom said. And I remember looking, I was like, they're all the same person. They're just in a different decade, like whatever, you know, but they really were, but you don't see it in, in the initial stage. You don't want to, you don't see what you don't want to see. Exactly. Now, what are some self-care activities that your clients implement to feel more balanced? Like to really, because I think that would self-care is going to be really important, um, obviously through all of this process, but it will help strengthen your ability to stick to the boundaries, right? And to stick to things and, and help with your emotional state, I think, as well. Well, I think a lot of people think get your nails done or get a massage. And while those are nice, they're not necessarily the foundation of self-care. You know, meditation, quiet time, being able to be alone with yourself, um, productive hobbies, reading a book, not, not falling back on alcohol and substances 
to help you deal with things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think self-care also an important element is women learning how to talk to themselves like they talk to a best friend and positively and supportively because you can have friends, but if you're beating yourself up continuously, you're taking away from that, that emotional, that energy bank account, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. I put strength in and experiences take strength away. So I always need to be filling my pot of things that make me stronger, whether it's happy experience, whether it's good old belly laughs, whether it's um, therapy, whether it's any number of things that kind of recharge your battery and make you feel good. There is nothing wrong with being happy and there is nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. But but women who have spent their lives and has been programmed into our DNA to take care of everyone but ourself sometimes think self-care isn't essential or is lazy. And it is not. Well, I love what you said because yes, I mean, obviously, you know, self-care, hair, nails, massage, but really, really it is, it's, it's doing things for your inside, right? For your, for your, and for your mind, your spirit, your physical health, which can also, you know, just even a walk that can give you that, you know, a little bit of quiet time, but just get your heart, your blood flowing, things that are good for really everything on the inside is I think more what we should think about when we say self-care, because I think most people think immediately, oh, well, no, I did go get my nails done or I did Mm -hmm. this, right? And I I am doing things for myself, but we really, it it takes a little more time and and sometimes to, you know, carve out the space to do something that's really going to nurture the internal parts of ourselves, but that's really going to have a lasting impact, I'm sure. Right. And we need to be consistent. Don't not take care of yourself for two weeks and then go on a vacation and expect for <laughs> you to be, have your emotional bank account filled. You need to be yeah. consistent and practice it over time. It's true. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, Beverly. I, I really enjoyed it. I know our listeners have gotten a lot out of it. And, um, but lastly, before we go, Can you impart on our listeners what you have learned about advocating for and empowering women throughout your career? I think women have the potential to be incredibly strong. And I think we let external circumstances take away our strength. And we need to recognize that we need to stand up for our own strength and not expect that strength to come automatically. But when we give up, we're giving up our strength. And that strength is the key to who we are and the kind of life we can have. That's beautiful and so true. I agree with you completely, Beverly. Um, Well, we have reached the end of our show and I can't believe it because it's been a great conversation and it flew by. So I so appreciate you um, coming on our show, Beverly. Um, It's just been wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure and honor. 
Well, thank you. And for our listeners, you can find Beverly and more about her at herempoweredtivorce.com. And of course, we will make sure all of her information is linked below in the show notes so that you can reach out to her if um, if this is something that you uh, see that would be helpful for you. And I know many of our listeners um, probably agree that working with Beverly is a good idea. Um, but if you or someone you know is going through a divorce or is thinking about a divorce, please reach out to us at floridawomenslawgroup.com. Or join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce, where we're having discussions to empower one another and encourage women through this process, whether it's before, during, or after. And of course, the link will be below in the show notes. And as always, we request that if you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review so others can find our content. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Women Winning Divorce. My goal is to elevate your life and the way you are thinking so that you are best equipped to win at life. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so you automatically get my new shows every week. And I would love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social and join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce. We welcome your comments and suggestions. We want to bring you content that helps move your life forward. Women Winning Divorce is the place for an elevated conversation on how women can thrive during times of adversity in order to live their best life.